Hey, good morning, Living Church. Super excited to be with you. I'm at one of our local beautiful parks this morning. You know, in this crazy season, we want to have some fun and some creativity. So we're shaking up all that we're doing. So I wanted to come to you live with another physical illustration. You know, growing up, I spent a lot of times at parks just like these. And one of my favorite things at the park was the teeter-totter. It was this toy that we could play with. You'd put a friend on the end and another friend on the other end and put each other up and down in the air. Now, I got to tell you that the teeter-totters that I grew up with, they were not as safe as this one. The teeter-totters in the parks where I grew up were just a two by eight of rough cut lumber with a pipe on one end to hold on. And the fulcrum point was about three feet in the air. And if you fell off of that bad boy, you were in serious, serious trouble. But the purpose of the teeter-totter, the seesaw, is that you would apply pressure in one location and that pressure would transfer to the fulcrum point and that pressure would allow a pivot. Can I just tell you that in this season that if you feel under pressure, maybe God's preparing you for a pivot. All throughout scripture when people would meet Jesus, they would have a pivot point. There would be this pressure, this situation, these circumstances pressing down on their life and that pressure when they met Jesus would allow for their pivot. And so throughout this series, we're going to look at stories in the Bible when people met Jesus and their whole life pivoted. The first story that we're going to talk about is in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, they, speaking of the disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gadarenes. Now, in the verses right before this in Mark chapter 4 was the story of Jesus and the disciples crossing the lake when a storm blew in. And the disciples thought surely they were gonna die, but Jesus stood up in the boat and he said, peace be still. This is the destination they got to after that story. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. We learn later in the text that this man was demon possessed. Now, sometimes we can hear about demon possession and it can freak us out. And let me just tell you this, if you're a Christian, if Jesus lives in your heart, a demon cannot jump on you and take over your body and start puppeting your life. But we do live in a spiritual battle that many times we don't see. You know, everything physical and visible is preceded by something invisible and spiritual. And there are spiritual forces in play. And though you can't be possessed as a Christian, you may find yourself oppressed. Whereas a spirit as the enemy is trying to bring some pressure, some oppression, and many times oppression, it leads to depression. Verse three, the man lived in the tombs, in the tombs, in the graveyard. He was alive, but yet he lived among the dead. Sometimes the things in life that start to oppress us, they make us feel like we're dying. We're alive and we're walking around, but yet we're shackled to something we don't have freedom. The man limbed to the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet and no one was strong enough to subdue him. I think Mark is giving us some foreshadowing here. No one's strong enough to subdue him, but yet Jesus just landed. No one's powerful enough to fix the problem, but Jesus is here. No one can provide a pivot but Jesus just got out of the boat. What this man needed wasn't a soft, gentle, quiet Jesus. He needed a strong, powerful, mighty Jesus to come in and put some pressure and provide the pivot point. It says this in verse five, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, 
he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You know what the enemy wants? He wants to keep you awake day and night. He wants you to not be able to rest. Scripture says that God gives rest to those he loves. That means that the devil takes away rest from those he hates. It says that he was off in the tombs, isolated, alone by himself. The enemy wants us to be separated and not in community with anyone. It says that he cried out in agony, cutting himself. God wants to bring us a life of fulfillment and joy and peace, but the enemy wants to give us a life of pain and sorrow and misery. Verse six, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. Sometimes when people first see Jesus, their response is fear. Their response is that Jesus is gonna do something bad or that Jesus is mad at them, but nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus doesn't hurt the man, but he does attack the enemy. And if you notice, the demon that speaks out of the man speaks to the authority of Jesus. He realizes that the fight is already over. He realizes that Jesus has all power to do whatever he wants to that demon. Can I tell you that the things in life that seem stronger than us, that God is much, much stronger than them. That's why scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord. I love in Matthew's recording of this story in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, that he says this, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? He's saying that the devil knows he's gonna lose. The devil knows that once Jesus showed up on the scene, that he had no chance of overcoming us. Verse eight, here's the moment. Listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Jesus speaks to the spirit that's in the man. And can I tell you what happens? A pivot point happens, a shift in this man's life. Because Jesus applied pressure, there's a pivot that takes place in this man's life. Verse nine, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. In that day, a Roman legion would be about 6,000 soldiers. So the demonic voice is saying, there's a lot of us in this guy. This guy's got a lot of problems. He's got a lot of issues. Verse 10, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area not to send them out of the region, not to send them out of that place. Do you know what the enemy wants? Authority over a space. He wants dominion over a region. What the devil's objective is, is to occupy areas. You know, different cities have different oppressions. I grew up in Flint, Michigan, and every time I go back home to visit family, I fly into that city and I feel the spirit of oppression that's unique to that place. I've flown into New Orleans and there's a new, different feeling of oppression in that city or in Las Vegas or New York, but it's not limited to these cities. It's also here in Mansfield. Here in South DFW, I think that the enemy has an objective to bring a certain type of oppression. I think there's a spirit of vanity here that we want to put on this facade like everything's okay, even though there's some hurt that's really happening on the inside. I think there's a oppression of insecurity that people don't walk in the full confidence that God has created us to walk in, that there's a spirit of fear. We feel that really heavy in this season that we're afraid and we're overwhelmed and we feel like we aren't enough even though we serve a God who's more 
than enough. There's a spirit of lies and even manipulation and some trickery. There's comparison. Though we would compare ourselves to other people and that leads to insecurity and all types of thing, I think that uh, there's a spirit of depression. I can't tell you as a pastor how many times I've talked with people who are battling this unseen thing that's attached itself to them called depression. And I think that there's also a spirit of hidden addiction. That there are people that, again, want to make everything look like it's okay, but they're living in the tombs. There's something that's attached itself to them and it's an addiction. Now, this is where the story starts to get crazy. Verse 11 says this, a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake where they were drowned. As I read that story, why pigs? Why did Jesus allow the evil spirits to come out of the man and to go into the pigs? There's so much truth in this story, and I don't have time to go into all the detail of why the pigs and what happened to the man next, but tonight at 7.30 at The Land, we have live Sunday night services. I'd love for you to come out and hear the detail of the rest of this story. But I've been pushing to get to verse 15, because verse 15 is where the whole story pivots. It says this, Mark 5, verse 15. The man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, listen, was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. This man who had been living in the caves and screaming and had no rest and was out of his mind, Jesus came in, applied some pressure, and he allowed a pivot point to happen in his life. He went from being out of his mind to sitting and being in his right mind. Can I tell you something? that no matter what you're going through, no matter what it feels like it's attached itself to you, if you encounter Jesus, he's gonna bring a pivot point into your situation. You know, Jesus didn't stop providing pivot points for people in the Bible, but every single day, Jesus desires to interact with us and bring pivots into our life. Here at Living Church, we hear testimony week after week after week about the goodness of God and the life change that he brings. So in this series, we're not only gonna talk about pivot points that happen in scripture, we're gonna talk about pivot points that are happening in our community. And so I can't wait for you to hear this story from my friend Kyle about his pivot. Now Kyle, I know uh, you and Sydney have been a part of Living Church now for about a year and a half, right? Yes, ma'am. And I know in your story, your journey, you've got a couple of pivot point moments but let's start at the very beginning. Kind of share with us the very beginning of your story. Yeah, so um, uh, a big point in my life was, I think when I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, somewhere around there, um, my mother, who I was a mom's boy, I was a big old mom's boy, I, I just wasn't. A, but my mom, when I was in, I must have been sixth grade, she got in a bad car wreck. Um, she got hit head on by a, a drunk, drunk driver. And, it just wasn't good. She was injured pretty, pretty badly. And, um, from then on, she kind of uh, she got addicted to painkillers and some different pills, and uh, you know that eventually led to well, that, that went on throughout my whole childhood, my whole like adolescent years. Yeah. You know? um, just it wasn't fun to deal with seeing your mom like that, where she's no. asleep on the couch all right. day. You know, um, you never get to talk to her until yeah. she was essentially 
that relationship just kind of dissolved. Right. So to see that and kind of lose that person that was, you know, right. the person you could talk right. to about anything uh, was pretty tough. And uh, so, you know, fast forward to 2007, um, she'd act, she actually passed in 2007 as a result of the, uh, the addiction. Yeah. Um, which at that point, um, my mind was just kind of numb to it. But so that tragedy that happened from when you were a little guy yeah. mm -hmm. up into your young adult life, you started making some choices that led you to kind of this pit moment, this cave, depressed, alone moment. It's a vivid memory for me. I kind of remember like it was yesterday. I was living with some buddies. I was in my early 20s, single guy. And uh, it was a night and I was laying in bed and I hadn't slept in several days. Anxious, nervous, shaking. Yeah. Couldn't sleep. I couldn't focus. I couldn't think about anything. Yeah. Um, I was just afraid. Yeah. And I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I thought I laid there, and the only thing I could think to do was to pray. Wow. And uh, so that's what I did. I prayed. Yeah. I got under my covers and prayed, and I fell asleep praying. She kind of disappeared. She's be asleep all the time. She wouldn't be around. Um, so I kind of felt alone. Yeah. That night, whenever I prayed, it's like, man, there is someone to talk to. Growing up, I was always the littlest kid in my grade. Like when I started high school, I was like four foot eleven. <laughs> I was tiny, and I, I got bullied a lot. And my yeah. mom was who I could go to about that. Over time, you know, somebody to talk to, you, you bottle that up, yeah. um, and you resort to other things. Which for me, it was uh, drinking, partying, uh, drugs, in and out of jail several times. Um, more fighting. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's maybe battling some of those same feelings? Yeah, um, I would just tell you that uh, you're not alone. I think everybody runs into those feelings at some point in their life. God is always there. He's only a prayer away. I mean, you just got to talk to him. And it, it will get better. It does. I can promise you that. I mean, within a few months, I met Sydney who's my wife now. Yeah. I don't know, I, I had, I'd never met somebody that I cared about like that. Our first date story was pretty funny. Um, I asked her on a date, she's like, oh, do you like sushi? I'm like, yeah, I love sushi, I eat it all the time. Never had it. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, all I knew was the California rolls. But that was definitely a big pivot point for me because uh, we got together and we talked about it. We were both believers. We both had strayed away from God and we wanted to get back to it. Yeah. So. So talk to us about who you were when you met Sydney, because I know that she helped you a lot process through some of the trauma and the emotional stuff. Yeah. So talk about kind of that journey of healing. Yeah. So I was a pretty rough, rough dude. I didn't, selfish, didn't really care about anybody else. I had sworn off women, I had sworn off everybody. Yeah. I just, it was all about me. Yeah. Yeah. That changed fast. Yeah. You know, when you're with somebody who can give you a hug or you know, tell you they care about you. Yeah. We're in the season that we're kind of in right now, in this corona season, maybe a year ago in your life, maybe two years ago in your life. What do you think it would look like for you then versus now? Oh man, it's been night and day. Um, Sydney can attest to that. Uh, you know, if this was two years ago, I, I had so much stress and anxiety on my plate, I was turning other things to to uh, medicate that. I guess, yeah. That, maybe that's the right word. Yeah. No, for sure. But I would. 
I would find something that could be possibly wrong with me every day, physically or mentally or something, whether I thought I was sick or I had cancer. And in reality, I'm, I'm as healthy as you can get. I mean, yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with me, but I would turn stress, anger, and fear into that. Yeah. Because um, you were taking kind of what was happening in your mind and projecting it into all of your thoughts about everything that was surrounding me rather than recognizing, oh, I'm okay, right? Absolutely, Instead, yeah. you were letting that anxiety and fear take over. Oh, yeah, and the best thing I can say to that is um, God has a plan for us all. It's not to live in fear for your entire life and not to be afraid of everything. Yeah. Um, I can't I can't preach to that enough. I mean, that, that has changed my life. We started the uh, Above All Else series, yeah. um, talking about guarding your heart, yeah. who you let in, what you let in, and that was that was life changing. Yeah. Um, in several ways. Um, growing up, I was always, I've always just, I've never wanted to be mean. I've never wanted to. Make, I don't like making fun of people. I don't like hurting people's feelings. Yeah. Um, I've just always been happy, and I like to make people smile and laugh. You know. Uh, for a while there, um, I got to a point where my anger, and my anxiety, and my stress was. I would see somebody and the first thing I would think about or I would say is I would, something negative about them. And that's yeah. never been me in my entire life. Yeah. Um, and that guards your, your heart to really hit me. And I'm like, who am I? That's not me. I'm not, right. I'm not this guy that, right. that talks negatively about people or talks negatively about certain situations. Right. I don't know, it really opened my eyes. It's like some stuff got down into you and then before you know it, stuff starts coming out. Right. Oh, absolutely. We talked about in that series that your mouth is like the gauge of your heart. Like what's coming out really determines what's going on from the inside. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a, that was a pivot point for a lot of people. Right. And it was a pivot point for me. Yeah. Like I know that many times I'm on the stage teaching, but that series was one that God was teaching me about things in myself. Right. Because yeah, we all have to be intentional with our hearts. I can tell you, even in today's world with this coronavirus stuff, we're the happiest we've ever been. We got to spend a couple of weeks together, but that was awesome. It was like a home a staycation. Yeah. So rather than walking in fear, you were able to experience kind of the goodness of that moment and find that God turned it for your good, rather than walking through a moment of fear and anxiety. Absolutely. You've had kind of several different pivot moments. The one where you were in your room and you really decided, hey, I'm going to start praying and crying out to God. Then you had another pivot when you met Sydney and you said, you know, I'm going to stop turning from my selfish ways. I'm going to start caring for someone else as they're caring for me. And then a year and a half ago, as you guys came here to Living Church, you had this other pivot moment where you really let the fear and anxiety and all of the things that were kind of crippling your mind and heart, you let them go. And so now you're in this new pivot moment, right? You've got your new house. You've got your, this new season of life together, right, that you're stepping into. And so what is God doing for you right now? Um, he's doing a ton. Um, me and Sydney came out service last Sunday out on the land. Yeah. And, uh, heard about the baptisms and it's something we wanted to do at the last house party but we just couldn't because of uh, my busy work schedule but um, we decided we want to come out and get baptized. That's on awesome. The land. So um, we've both been baptized before. Yeah. It's just been way younger and yeah. we want to do it. We're excited about it. So. That's awesome. Yeah. You know I think it's really powerful to make that public declaration right. of faith to say you know what I'm new. Yeah. This this past me, I'm burying it in a watery grave, symbolically, and saying, I'm going to be resurrected anew. And you're already saved. 
you're right. walking with Jesus. Right. But you're making that declaration to say, you know what? The past is behind me, and my future is bright because of yeah. the love of Jesus. It's exciting to hear this story because 20-year-old Kyle right. probably never would have thought that you would turn into the man that you are today. Like no. the amount of pivot that right. God has allowed in your life because of his goodness is incredible. Right. To, 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 Zoom in on that moment where you're afraid and depressed and alone and think that nothing's ever going to work out. Right. You're not going to be successful. To now, years later, have a married and healthy and have community and peace. And so if there's anybody out there that would find themselves in the before version. Right. Can I just tell you God has a pivot for you? Yeah. That be faithful in the process. Keep surrounding yourself with community. Keep putting the word of God in your heart. Keep attending. Regularly, because you never know which scripture, which message is going to really be that thing that grabs a hold of you inside and allows you to have a whole pivot moment. I'm reminded of the story we read it uh, earlier in Mark chapter 5, verse 15. It says this, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed uh, by the legion of demons was sitting there dressed in his right mind. I don't know if you've noticed. But I'm sitting next to my friend Kyle. He's dressed and he's sitting here and he's in, and he's in his right mind. Right. That there's literally been a whole transformation in his heart, his mind, his relationships because of the goodness of God, but also because of his faithfulness. Yes. Because he positioned himself for a pivot. Yeah, so good. Thank you, Kyle, for being willing to share your story. You know, it's not easy yeah, to right. come and sit here in the hot seat and share with each and every yeah. one of the people of Living Church, but you know there's power in our testimony. Right. And if you have a testimony that you would love to share with us, we'd love to hear it. Man, we want to hear from you what God has done in your life, the pivot moment that you've had with Jesus. And so you can email us at info at livingchurch.com. You can send us a message or a DM um, on Instagram or social media because we'd love to hear about the pivot point moments in your life. Thank you, Kyle, for being with us today. Man, it's been incredible. Thanks, bro. No problem.